warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, for she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. And then verse three, a moment in the life and the calling of Isaiah that we'll see come up in the New Testament in the preparation for Christ with John the Baptist, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be exalted, every mountain and hill brought low. The crooked places shall be made straight and the rough places smooth. The glory of the Lord through the voice that will rise up to prepare a way, the, the glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it together for the mouth of the Lord has spoken through the voice. I was talking to John Whitaker yesterday and to offer a end in the same spot we began, he gave me some insight into the very first topic that we started with in this workshop module. What does it mean to exposit? And his insight was helpful for what we're looking at today to leave you with where you go from here. He says, expositional teaching is truth incarnate through voice. That's how he describes it. And that is what we have been practicing. That is what we've been opening our heart and our mind to. The reality that not only in the call of Isaiah, but in the call of all of the people throughout scripture that God raises up, he is revealing truth incarnate through voice. And this is where we have to end a session and a time together because you have all of the truth in how to prepare for this moment. Over the course of the, the, the workshops in the last couple of days, you have been equipped with how to organize the truth of God's word and to prepare this moment where the voice makes it all come alive. And this came up as the circle of practicing preaching that was happening right here. One, some of the feedback was you can have the best outline. And some of you last night, hopefully all of you wrestled with the best outline that you could come up with, with the text you were assigned. You looked at it, you had a big idea, you had a main point, you had conclusion, you knew the roadmap you were taking them on. Nick Cady's just in your ear telling you how to make the best outline. And you could have the best doctrine, meaning not only are you outlining the text, but you're also true to the, the broad application of scripture throughout all of the Bible, like Paul Boudier shared with us. This is, this is us making the case. We use the word to make a case for doctrine, and then we present other evidence. And you can have doctrine that covers your outline. But none of it matters if you get up and you can't say anything. Your outline and your doctrine are in place, and you can't just say, trust me and take my word for it. Everything looks really good from my angle. You actually have to raise up and your voice has to come out. And through your voice, here's the big idea of where we end. Through your voice, the scripture comes alive. Now that is a big idea that you have to wrestle with. In the call to be an expositor and a preacher and a teacher, what we are looking at is that God uses the voice of men to reveal the truth and glory of God. And if he is calling you to preach and teach, which he has called you this far, he wants to use your voice to reveal his glory, to prepare a way, to make straight a path. That is a heavy calling. It's exciting, but it's heavy. And now the bad news. 
I have been preaching and teaching the word for 11 years now. And when I get to verse six of this passage, I feel like I can relate with Isaiah now more than ever after 11 years. He says, the voice said, cry out. And he said, what shall I cry? What am I actually supposed to say? When I first became a preacher, I'll share two stories of my entry point into finding my own voice. One was going to Pastor Bob Caldwell, who who essentially gave me a very good mentor-to-mentee assignment. He said, there's going to be a Bible study for our college age, and you're going to teach it. It's in the Gospel of John. I'd never taught a sermon, and I read the Gospel of John for the next 50 to 60 hours, over and over and over again, to find one thing to say. And I went to Pastor Bob, and I said, how do I preach a sermon? And he said, every paragraph is a sermon. It's your job to find out what it is. (laughs) And I said, okay. So this is my entry point into finding my own voice. I now have to wrestle with a sermon and cry what it says in Isaiah 40, verse 6. What do I cry? The second story in my entry point into finding my own voice came from Tom Velasco. Many of you know him, one of my mentors in preaching. And I actually went through the School of Ministry at Calvary Chapel Boise to learn how to preach, and he shared many of the same ideas and things about outlines and main ideas. He talked about how to prepare a sermon. He talked about how to understand the text and all of the great equipping that you can do. And then he said something that I share with you now that is the hardest thing to hear. He said, there's two things that you cannot teach someone about preaching. And so this is as far as this workshop can take you from a mentor to mentee. He said, here's the two things. One, you cannot teach someone to be charismatic. And isn't that true in life? It's like there are some people who have the ability to engage in conversations and ask good questions and be good listeners and crack a joke at the right time, much like preaching. And there are others who do not have the same grace. And it doesn't mean you can't take a little seed of of charisma and grow it. But it's not something that you can just learn in a workshop. You have to grow it. The second thing, he says, you cannot teach this in preaching. You cannot teach someone how to have their voice. You cannot tell someone how to establish their own authority in the word of God to be a voice in the wilderness according to God's call on their life. That's why one of the amazing things about the way that this whole workshop was organized is there was a certain point where that one little truth was on display. And that was, rather than mechanically teaching you how to find your voice, there was an opportunity for you to preach. And in this moment, we find very importantly that Isaiah doesn't say, how should I cry? He says, what should I cry? There is not a breakdown of the how you should cry. The only hope that you have to find your voice in the wilderness is to open your mouth and speak. To actually take a step of faith and take all of these amazing ideas that have been given to you by people who have gone before you to equip you the best, to give you the best chance you have to reveal the glory of God through your voice. But the only way you actually find your own voice is to open your mouth, which means the best I can now share with you is a story in how I find mine and hopefully encourage you 
to look for yours in similar ways. And the first thing I'll say, maybe you're like me before you became, before I became a preacher, I looked at people like Mike and Nick Cady and Paul Leboutier and Brian Broderson, and I was willingly taking notes, trusting that they were men of God who knew what they were talking about. But I felt like there was a chasm between a, a person from a stage who clearly had a gift to teach and someone who had never done it. I thought, I could never do that. And I actually had some good proof in my own life experience for that, that maybe some of you can think back to your own call to be a voice and the ways that you got it wrong. So here's my reluctance that lives inside of my heart, still to this day, from a moment that I clearly remember from when I was 16 years old. When I was 16 years old, I had just inherited my sister's car who had gone off to Bible college. Before she had gone to Bible college, she had a revival her senior year of high school. Uh, Pastor Kirk Krager over here was one of the people that reached her for Christ. And she fell in love with the concept of the agape love of God. Agape love, the unconditional love of God. She loved it so much that she had a specialized plate made on her car that said agape. So everywhere I drove after she gave me that car, I was just, I was in the agape mobile. I was just agape mobile on wheels everywhere I went. And I remember very distinctly one day I was, I was coming out of a video game arcade. I just had a great time with my friends. And around my car was a group of young people. And they were all, they said, we have been waiting for the owner of this car to come out because we have no idea what this word agape means. And we've been struggling for so long to try to figure out what it means that we were willing to wait for you to tell us about this word. And I looked at them with all of my sister's voice ringing in my ears about the magical love of God that is unconditional agape. And I said, I don't know. It's my sister's car. <laughs> and I got in and I drove away like Peter had just denied Christ. I thought, Lord, I will be a door greeter. I will be a janitor, but I can never speak on your behalf. And I share that story because that's that person, that kid coming out of the arcade and denying Christ to the people that were hungry for the truth of his word still lives in my heart. It still lives all the time. When I hear Isaiah crying out, what should I cry? I automatically think of my Monday and my Tuesday, just crying out to God, Lord, what am I supposed to say? And if I'm not supposed to say anything, I will gladly step aside. As Clay said, there is an ambition that must be tempered for young preachers. And there's also reluctance that has to be tempered. And I'm the reluctant guy. I am so happy to listen to preaching. And when it comes to finding my own voice, it is sometimes so hard for me to say, I will open my mouth and speak. In fact, this week, uh, my kids got leprosy, and I was so, you guys are totally way too calm to hear that. They got uh, a version of leprosy called hand, foot, and mouth disease, so it's just open pores all over their mouth, and my son has it the worst, and he, he literally looks like someone who is living in a leper colony, and it's just like, bro, you need to learn how to say unclean before you come in the room. And so I'm watching all of this develop and I'm thinking, you know, there is a good chance that I will not be able to share today. And uh, that, you know, heaven forbid it happened, but um, if my wife gets sick, there's no way I could share. And so the reluctant part of me in my heart, I confess this before you, I was looking at my wife thinking, how you feeling? Because <laughs> if you get sick, I don't have to preach. And so I realized I'm a horrible husband because I was wishing leprosy on my wife to avoid opening my mouth to people who are eager to learn. How do we find the voice of God? 
How do we find the power to cry out that his glory would be revealed? We actually have to open our mouth in the confident faith that he will provide all of these fears and anxieties and worries that we have to bridge the divide between sitting in an audience and standing behind a pulpit. And so I'll share one more story to offer you three encouragements from my own life. Before I share a story from my own life, I want to preface it by saying when Nick Cady shared about the supremacy of Christ in every sermon, that is one of the things that you can cling to, that you can aim for, that you can hold on to as a young preacher that will give you the confidence to preach everything and will help you avoid all of the mistakes of preaching in vain. And I say that because I'm about to share a story about myself and I do not want to come across as not fully in support of Christ-centric preaching and teaching. But this story has to do with how God showed me my voice to overcome reluctance. And it has to do with how I actually became the pastor of this church. So it's not a story I share very often, but when I thought about where I found my own voice to open my mouth and speak that God's glory would be revealed, I couldn't help but a specific moment, let, a, let alone the, the daily and weekly crying out that I do. But there was a moment in my life where God gave me a picture that removed all reluctance from my heart. And in this picture, I want to share three things that maybe will help you overcome any reluctance that you have to preach and to be a voice that animates the word of God. I, uh, like all good stories in my life, this starts in uh, my backyard hot tub. That's where most of my magic happens. And um, on the first, it was a Monday, the first week of fasting and prayer for our church, something we do around January. Um, I had left the morning session, uh, time of worship and prayer, and I'd gone to be with the Lord, to just have him download whatever he had for me. I was serving as a college-age uh, pastor at the time under the leadership of Pastor Bob Caldwell, and in this moment, I started to drift off into the prayer trance. Some of you call that sleep, but it was, it was, a, it was you know, on the edge. You could have gone either way, and in this moment, I had one of the most clear visions from God I ever had in my life. And that's saying something. I don't get a lot of visions from God. In this vision, I was choking on a fish. There was this, I was unable to breathe, almost physically unable to breathe as I was laying in this, in this hot tub. And as I was choking, I see a hand come from the heavens and rip this fish out of my mouth and then throw it out into the streets where all of these hungry people came. And they, with great hunger, they receive a multiplication of one fish that came from my mouth, and they all start consuming it and, and praising with joy. And I woke up to my phone ringing. And as I pick up the phone, the voice on the other line is Pastor Bob Caldwell. And he said... I need you to take over Calvary Chapel, Boise, and be the, the preacher. And the separation between that vision and that moment was the ring of a phone call. And so I said, I'll do it. The reluctance of my heart to run from something as burdensome as a pulpit for a church that is as blessed as Calvary, Boise, was removed with one vision that God gave me in the perfect moment. 
the perfect moment that prepared my heart to say yes to something I would have loved to have said no to. And so with that vision in mind that God gave specifically to me, I want to share three things as we continue to just look at something that we can allow the word to come alive to speak to us now, not just for Isaiah's day. As Isaiah cries out, what should I cry? He says, all flesh is grass and all its loveliness is like the flower of the field. Verse seven, the grass withers, the flower fades because the breath of the Lord blows upon it. Surely the people are grass. Verse eight, the grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. One of the things that I have to continually go back to when I think of the moment that brought me to a willing heart to answer the call, the literal call that came through the line, was that I had one small thing that God used. I was literally choking. And he took something out of my mouth and multiplied it. And how could you not help but think of Mark chapter six as there's one offering made. There's five loaves and two fish that comes from one person. And God says, I can use that. And he takes a tiny offering that is nowhere near sufficient the need. And he multiplies it so that all who are willing to receive were fed. And the first observation I have for my own life that I have to go back to all of the time is if I can come up with one small offering, if I can read the word with childlike faith in a way that would find one thing that could benefit one person, and I could present it before God as I say, God, this is your word. Everything else fades, but your word endures. Here's something that maybe, just maybe you could use. God will take my feeble words and my reluctant heart and my fear of man and all of the things that, that go on in my life leading up to Sunday that make me feel less than adequate to stand with the authority of God and he can bless people. And so as we rightfully now get ready to commission and to send out, go forth, you do not need to be a scholar. Thank you, Paul Levoutier. He says, I'm not a scholar. You do not need to memorize scripture chapters at a time and hang your MDiv behind you in the office of the, the corner part of the church. You have to come up with one small thing that God can use. You have to be willing to make one offering with an open mouth that God will say, I will use it and I will multiply it in ways that you have no idea. The second observation, as I think back to that, Verse 10 says, behold, the Lord God shall come with a strong hand. I am so grateful that I have a reference point to the favor and the grace and the faithfulness of God that it is all him. I was talking to Brian last night and he asked me how church is going. I said, it's always going great and horrible at the same time. <laughs> and he said, you know, it's funny because after years and years and years and years of being in ministry, I finally realize I have a lot less to do with the success of ministry and church and preaching than I once thought. It is the hand of God that directs your words and your mouth and the outlines that you present before him that animates things with illustrations that gives you the life experience and the perfect conversations and the, brings it all together so that you can stand before people 
and bless them with something to eat. It is because of the faithfulness of God. And as this goes on, it says in chapter 41, verse 9, something for you to probably consider. The word of God comes alive uniquely for this time in ways that will look different at the next Expositors Collective, but be encouraged as you go to share at a Bible study behind a pulpit from a small church, guest speak at a giant church. Isaiah eventually hears from the Lord and speaks on his behalf so faithfully that he's calling the nation of Israel to take part in a revival, to take part in the opposite of the direction they were going, which was away from God towards danger, now towards God and all that he wants to do through this nation. And what does God promise his people? Verse nine, you are my servant. I have chosen you and I have not cast you away. Fear not for I am with you. Be not dismayed for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. There's an old Calvary saying that says where God guides, God provides. God is not guiding you to stand with the word of God open to bring him glory and reveal his amazing faithfulness and plan of salvation to people so that you can open your mouth and say nothing. (laughs) He doesn't call you and give you opportunity to speak one person like a woman at the well or multitudes like the 5,000. Where he is guiding you and giving you favor with his word, he will provide for you. He will go with you. It is one of the themes in all of the doubtful preachers that come up in scripture. From Moses, moments in Isaiah, the apostle Paul, God clearly comes alongside them and says, I am still with you. And that is true of every single one of you, wherever God calls you. I'm so grateful for the vision of the Expositors Collective that there would be a a rising of, of new, freshly equipped men of women to be in the word, wherever you go from here. Clay says he went from Bible college to Ireland. I went from Bible college back to Boise. Wherever you go, to be the voice that animates the truth of the word of God. God goes with you. And I have to remind myself of that every Sunday. I sit right over here typically as we're about to worship. And without fail, there is that moment in worship where I hear the still and small voice that says, I am with you. And it is then and only then that I exhale to give God glory and completely stop worrying about all my feeble words. The final observation, and this is where I want some of you, all of you to be ready for what we're about to do. The group leaders are about to come down and we're about to pray for every single person that requests prayer for the the moment that we're having as people who are being raised up. Notice what Isaiah says as he's wrestling with what to cry and God gives him this reminder that he's nothing, he's flesh. The word of God endures. And then, miraculously, Isaiah goes and turns, and the call that he had to be a voice now is a call for the nation of Israel to be a voice. He says in verse 9, O Zion, you who bring good tidings, get up into the high mountain, O Jerusalem. You who bring good tidings, lift up your voice with strength. Lift it up and don't be afraid. Say to the cities of Judah, Behold your God. This is a moment where Isaiah is, the voice in the wilderness 
equipping other voices. And as I answer the question in my example to encourage you for however God shows you how to find your own voice, one of the most important ways that I found my own voice was when people spoke over me, gave me a commission, gave me the confidence, gave me a a word that said, speak. Part of the story is that Bob actually did call me and say, you are going to speak and you're going to preach. And I believed him. I trusted him. And there are times where I open the word and I think, I'm doing what I was asked to do. I remember when I first started preaching, I was at a college age night and Pastor Dan Davis, who we all love in the Treasure Valley, Mountain Home, after I got done preaching, it was like, man, I don't know if that worked at all. And it was one of those sermons where we'll all experience, we're like, I don't know if I said one positive thing. And Dan Davis came up to me and said, I just want you to know that you are a voice of the next generation. And I said, really? (laughs) And I believed him. He told me that. That's something I take at his word. And now what I want to say to you to play the role of Dan Davis in your life, lift up your voice with strength. Lift it up and do not be afraid. Behold your God. You are not here randomly. We we as Calvary Boise invited all churches to invite all of the congregants. And this is who God brought. God brought you to Boise, Idaho to hear an invitation through a pulpit announcement or an Instagram feed or a podcast that said, you should come and you should be equipped and you should learn how to be a voice for the word of God. And I'm here to tell you to say, you are. You can have a voice that animates the word of God. And I think one of the things that is beautiful about what we're about to do is that we are going to give a moment, like I had with Dan, when he said, you are going to be a voice for you to come and to be prayed for so that you can look back and you can wonder what should you cry and you could think about all the open door opportunities that you have to preach and you can remember that you were prayed for, that you would have the strength to animate the word of God with your voice. God has called you here. He has brought you here. He has flown people around the world to equip the saints for the work of his ministry. And this equipping is so that you would know that your voice has the strength to reveal the glory of God. All right. Well, hey, thanks for listening all the way to the end. Um, As as you gather, um, this is one of those things that you kind of had to be there. Uh, This kind of transitioned into a time of uh, worshipful response of prayer, of laying on of hands of people and asking that uh, those things that Tucker has been saying would, would work from our head down into our heart. So again, you had to be there, but I think even if you weren't, you're able to benefit from Tucker's passion and even just hearing that message that God had put on his heart um, for all of us to benefit from. Make sure that you check out the show notes for this episode. Uh, Not only will it link to our website where you can find out more about our Indianapolis and our California event, but also there'll be a link to an interview that I did with Tucker before this message was given. Uh, We actually talk about some of the themes and the actual writing process 
of the sermon that you just heard. So if you want to really do a deep dive into the process that led to the final product, well, then make sure that you check out that earlier link in the show notes. All right. I hope that this episode and all that we do at the Expositors Collective help you to grow in your personal study and public proclamation of God's word. See you next Tuesday.